Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. The journey towards Christmas seems slow and methodical all year long, until it doesn't. And right now, that journey may feel rushed and hectic, but you know where it's leading and the moment you're awaiting. But the first Christmas was a bit different. The Christmas that defined what we celebrate this time of year was a journey unknown by many of its most well-known participants. Yet, each of those journeys warms our hearts and speaks to our moments and emotions of the season. And this season, they once again lead straight to the one who has always been the destination. The King, the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ. Jesus. Well, when Christmas Day comes, there will be journeys that all of us will take, uh, even though those journeys will be of different lengths. There will be some of us on Christmas Day that have to travel quite a distance, and so we're already starting to try and figure out when it is that we're going to leave Uh, to be able to get where we're supposed to get in time for all of the festivities to take place and trying to figure out exactly how we're going to pack up all the presents. There's others of us who have already uh, gotten airline tickets and have made reservations with rental cars because the distance that we're going for Christmas Day is, is going to require all of that. But there's some of us that on Christmas, it's going to be the basic journey that we always tend to take. Maybe your journey takes you across town, or it takes you to just one town away, or or, or maybe even inside the same neighborhood. But maybe those journeys um, are really the ones that just take place on Christmas Eve, because on Christmas Day, your journey is to just stay at home. When I was a kid, the journey that I took on Christmas Day, and even on Christmas Eve, was always at home. Christmas Eve always happened at our house, and Christmas Day was, well, the biggest journey that I took was getting from my bedroom to my parents' bedroom to wake them up so that we could open presents underneath the tree. My bedroom was on one side of the house, their bedroom on the other, and in between was the family room where the Christmas tree was, and it was under that Christmas tree that all of the Christmas presents existed. Now, what was interesting is over the years, and I mean even after I left for college and and, and even after college and after I was married, um, there were always more presents under the tree on Christmas morning than had been there the night before on Christmas Eve because my mom just tended to, to love getting up in the wee hours of the night and rearranging presents and bringing out more presents so that something was special happening on Christmas Day. And I never wanted to ruin that surprise. I never wanted to, to spoil what she had planned. And so Um, I would make that journey from my bedroom to their bedroom to wake them up, walking backwards through the family room so as to not see what was under the tree. It was special, and everything about Christmas morning, or at least on, on a lot of Christmases, there was excitement, and there was great anticipation, and there was wonder wrapped underneath the Christmas tree. 
You know, all of the, the characters of the story of Christmas, all the characters in our nativity scene, they, they all took journeys of different lengths as well. We talked last week about the Magi, about the wise men, and the journey that they took from a, a different region of the world to make their way to Bethlehem, and the fact that it was so far away, it took them a while to get there. Mary and Joseph had a journey to take as well. They weren't international travelers, but they made their way from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem with a young girl who was in her final month of pregnancy. There was Jesus. He took a pretty big journey as well as he left his throne in heaven to come to, a, to the hay in a manger in Bethlehem. That was certainly more than a short journey through a family room. But then there were also in our nativity scene the shepherds. And the shepherds took their journey on that first Christmas. And if the Magi had a marathon journey, and the shepherds had what could only be described as a sprint. In fact, there's a, a portion of the Bible that even says that that they, they sprinted towards Jesus. They hurried off to, to find the manger. But I'm getting ahead of myself as they just kind of took a journey across town. It, it's Luke who tells us about the shepherds. And his particular portion of the story of Christmas is one that has been recited maybe most of all, maybe words that ring most loudly in our ears somewhat because of Linus recitation that happens in the Charlie Brown Christmas special. But Luke chapter 2 says this about the shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now the shepherds didn't come from Persia. They didn't come from the other side of the world. They didn't even come from Nazareth. They, they were shepherds that were right there from Bethlehem. In fact, a few verses later, the shepherds who had previously been terrified, I mean, they were just standing there in fear, were suddenly starting their intense journey to the other side of town. It says this, that when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Now, first they were scared. They were so scared that they, they couldn't even run away from the sight that they were seeing in the sky. And, and then suddenly, they were running with great purpose to get to the manger, to find Jesus. What was the message that would change their emotions that much? Well, admittedly, the fear came in fair portions. I mean, in the sky, there are floating 
glowing creatures that are talking to them. That's enough to drive fear into anyone. But then, in just a few short words, the angel told them everything about this present that was waiting for them in a manger. And there was excitement, and there was anticipation, and there was wonder that overwhelmed their fear. That present that they were told about, that was waiting for them, just filled their hearts with anticipation. Now we've all had presents that uh, we were waiting for on Christmas Day. Uh, Some that we were excited and hoping were under the tree. Maybe as parents and as grandparents, it's changed a little bit to the point that we get excited to see someone else open the gift that we can't wait for them to open and see the expression on their face. But there are some presents that we've received that are so exciting that they've kind of hung out in our memory ever since. I I know that when I was a kid, one of the, the things I remember receiving was a basketball goal, a backboard and rim that was shoved up underneath the Christmas tree. It was so big that as I was kind of walking backwards through the family room, I caught a glimpse of it out of the corner of my eye. There were some Christmas days that happened where I was anticipating getting an action figure, not a doll, okay? Action figure, very important distinction. One particular action figure, and I I don't even know what it was ever connected with or or to or how it was that, that I wanted it so badly, but... It was an action figure called Pulsar, and he was this this muscle-bound man with white hair and a clear chest that you could see his lungs and his heart and had these little tubes with red liquid flowing through them, and when you pushed on his back, everything moved. Now, I was hoping that underneath that tree somewhere was that gift waiting for me. There, There was a surprise that I got in high school when I opened up a present that I had no idea what it was, and When I opened it, it was a Commodore 64 that I could hook up to a TV set so that I could have my own personal computer right there in the house. We have gifts that we receive and we're so looking forward to them that really nothing else seems to matter in the moment. And stuff like that will get us up early in the morning and get us moving. But just like those presents we received. Look at the present that sent the shepherds hurrying off to go find the baby in a manger. The description of that present comes so quickly and so immensely that sometimes I think we hear it, but we don't really hear it. We don't really get just how big this announcement was. Just to remind us, here's what the angel said to the shepherds. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Three very important descriptions given to this present that they had waiting for them in Bethlehem. And of all the people in the world to hear these descriptions, they may have meant the most to these shepherds. Which is kind of a funny thing to say. Because you see, the shepherds as a whole were often seen as kind of the bottom rung of the ladder. They were 
basically the lowest of the low. Their occupation was not one that people longed for. They weren't thought of very highly at all. Most of the time, we think of the shepherds in our nativity scene as the most peasant-like, most common, most uneducated lot in the bunch. But they were just the right group to hear these words from the angel. They were told about the present, the gift that had come from God, that he was the Savior. Jesus was the rescue plan that God had devised for his creation. Jesus was the one who would pay for the sins of the world once and for all. And that language of Savior, of sacrifice, was not lost on these particular shepherds. You see, compared to other people in the world, shepherds were seen as pretty lowly. The, the shepherds were not highly acclaimed. They weren't people that, that were friends with anyone else. Shepherds were only friends with shepherds. But in the world of shepherds, these particular shepherds were pretty special. They were shepherds in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a, a bedroom community to Jerusalem. It was a quaint little town with rolling hills just a few miles outside of the metropolis of Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem was Solomon's temple. And Solomon's temple was the centerpiece to all the tradition and all the ceremony and all the festivals that go along with the Jewish religion. And it was there at the temple that the temple priests would offer sacrifices once a year Sacrifices that would pay for the sin of the people. That would pay for the sins of all of that nation, the nation of God. And the temple priests offered up perfect, unblemished lambs on the altar for the sake of an entire nation. And according to the law of God, according to the law of the Old Testament, that had been followed for generations of people, it had to be an unblemished lamb. It had to be a perfect sacrifice that was laid on the altar as payment for the sins of the people from the previous year. Now the payment that was offered there was only a temporary payment and it didn't actually take care of the sins eternally or indefinitely, but it was a practice. A practice that was given to the Jewish people so that they would understand sin. That they would understand just how short they had come from the glory of God. And that they would understand payment being made for that debt of sin. And all of that practice was put in place as preparation for God's ultimate rescue plan. Now, to see that the supply of absolutely perfect, unblemished sacrifice animals was always available to the temple, the temple authorities had their own private sheep stock. And it's most likely that these shepherds that had an angel and then a host of angels appear to them in the sky 
were in charge of the flocks from which the temple offerings were chosen. The sacrifice animals that were offered up to temporarily appease the sin of the nation. William Barclay wrote these words, it is a lovely thought that the shepherds who looked after the temple lambs were the first to see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist would keep that imagery going 30 years later when he announced Jesus on the scene. He announced Jesus from the waters of the Jordan River, and when he saw Jesus coming, we have recorded for us that he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, there are some people who heard John the Baptist say that, and they thought to themselves that it was a term of endearment that John was using. But there were others, like these shepherds did, who would have heard that term and understood that the Lamb of God meant sacrifice, that the Lamb was the Savior. Those perfect lambs were put on the altar in the temple and slaughtered. It's not a pretty scene at all, but it was done to redeem the hearts of the people. And those shepherds in the fields in Bethlehem knew the participants in that particular sacrifice better than anybody else. And it's unknown whether they could immediately make the connection between the sheep that they oversaw in the hills of Bethlehem and the face of the baby that was lying in a manger, but if anyone could possibly understand the connection, it was these shepherds. And yet that description of the Savior that took their minds to sacrifice to the Lamb of God was not the only description that they heard from the angel. He was called the Savior, but he was also called the Messiah, or the Christ in some translations. And just to be clear, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is a title that's given to him. And it's a sacred title at that. The shepherds were told that the Messiah had come. They were told from the sky that the Christ had come. And no matter how many nights they had been out in those fields, and no matter how long ago it was that they dropped out of school and just made their way to become shepherds because they knew that's all that they were ever going to be, the shepherds were still Jews who knew of their history and knew of the prophecies and knew the stories of a rescuer, that he would be special, that he would be important, that he would be famous. You see, that word Messiah, or the word Christ, two different languages, both mean the same thing. Anointed one. The Messiah was God's anointed one. And the importance of the Messiah and the meaning of that title would not have been lost on these shepherds. But the fact that they were hearing about him, the fact that they were being told about the anointed one seemed off at best. 
Because though they may have looked after some really special sheep, they were still shepherds. And shepherds were basically despised by all of the orthodox good people of the day. I mean, shepherds, because of their profession, were just constantly dirty, filthy, smelly, unclean people. And they were quite unacceptable when it came to keeping all of the ceremonial traditions of the law. They wouldn't or they couldn't observe all of the very detailed, meticulous hand washings that even the most common people of the Jews would have been trying to adhere to. The shepherds just couldn't keep up. It was impossible. And it wasn't just that they were smelly and filthy and dirty, but nobody really even liked them. I mean, with the Peanuts gang, at least Pigpen though he had the cloud of dust all around him, that they still, the gang wanted him around. They just didn't want to be next to him. But that's not how people felt about the shepherds. The shepherds, because of their filth, because of their dirt, were regarded to have very little character. You see, shepherds could not even appear in a court of law as witnesses or to give testimony because it was determined that their opinions and their observations could not be trusted because they were shepherds. Why? Because they couldn't even adhere to the most basic laws of the Torah. All because of the profession that they held. So, knowing how everyone else thought of them, knowing the light in which they had been cast, to receive news from the sky that the anointed one, that the most special one, that the royalty of heaven was here, for them to hear about it seemed off. But there was something significant about their place in this story. It was important that they were the ones hearing this news based on their place in this world. They were the ones that received the announcement of the Savior, of God's rescue plan. They were the ones that received the announcement of the Christ, the anointed one of God. And they were also told that he was the Lord. Now, anymore, when we hear Jesus and we hear stories about Jesus and we hear him referred to as the Lord, it's pretty common for us, even expected, the, the words are basically interchangeable in our minds. But when the announcement came from the angel to the shepherds that the Lord was here, it said something special, something unexpected, not only to the shepherds, but to anyone who had been following the prophecies and anyone who was waiting for the Messiah. God, the creator, the maker, the Lord of heaven and earth was not just sending a representative, was not just sending a placeholder, was not just sending some mighty warrior of heaven to come and solve the problem of mankind. The Savior, 
the Christ, the Messiah. God was sending himself, the Lord. Now, Isaiah Isaiah had made this announcement 700 years earlier. He said, look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. (laughs) The present the gift that was laying in the straw in the manger in Bethlehem. The one that the shepherds hurried off to go and see. As it turns out, was the anointed rescue plan that was none other than God himself. And then to add to the adrenaline rush that the shepherds were already feeling that was causing them to want to take off in a dead sprint into Bethlehem to go and find this baby in a manger as they're getting ready to go and, and see everything that the angel had told them before they leave, this happens. It says that suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And the shepherds take off, and they go and and try and find the baby, and when they have found him, and when they have seen that it's exactly as the angel told them, it says that when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. couple of quick but important lessons for us to learn from our friends the shepherds that night. There's just a couple of quick things as we finish up. For one, the anthem that they heard from the heavenly hosts in the sky told them of peace that had come. But it wasn't peace that was brought on by war. It wasn't peace that came as the result of some military force. It wasn't peace that happened because of democracy or diplomacy. It wasn't peace that came because of any particular monarch or any particular party. It wasn't peace that showed up because somebody signed a law or signed a contract or signed a treaty of any kind. It was peace that was eternally offered to those on whom his favor rests. Yes, the peace was available for all mankind, but it was available to those and received by those who would receive the gift, who would take the gift that was being presented to them. The shepherds didn't know this yet, but there would be years ahead and decades ahead and centuries ahead all the way until now when people would learn of the great gift that had been given from God and they would reject that present that was offered to them. Peace that could only come from our creator. But notice something else that when 
these shepherds had this understanding of the significance of the gift that was waiting for them in the manger, the shepherds could not imagine keeping that news to themselves. I mean, they were the original evangelists. And they went out and they spread the word about what they had learned about this baby in a manger and who he was and what that would mean. That he was the savior. That he was the Messiah. And that he was the Lord himself. It was news that they could not imagine keeping to themselves. Today is December 11th. There are 14 more days that are pointing toward an event that once again announces the description of the most exciting, most compelling, most intriguing most intense present that anyone has ever received. And you have that news. And like the shepherds, you have the opportunity to tell anyone that you come in contact with, anyone that you know, about this gift and this present that has been given for all. You have the information that he is the Savior, that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, and that he has come to save his people from their sins, to be the final sacrifice that would overcome the sin of the world. It is news that you have. And two full weeks of people with open ears in your life to hear that news. That news is meant for anyone, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. As we close today, Sydney's gonna come and sing. And as she does, I want you to hear the words of her song. I want you to reflect on what those words mean to you and what they might mean to those around you. And as you hear those words at the end of that time, there will be a moment when we are all gonna get to participate together. And if you have a decision to make today, if today needs to be a day that you say yes to the Savior, yes to the Messiah, yes to the Lord, and accept his gift, and are baptized in his name. If that's a decision that you need to make today, we invite you to make it in that moment when we will stand together and participate. But for now, listen to these words. <laughs>